Welcome back, everyone, to Verge Conflict. I never open a podcast this way, but I totally am because for once, I actually do not know what we're talking about because my amazing co-host, Frank Krueger, who's with us every single week, has the most amazing topic ever. Frank, what the heck are we talking about? <laughs> well, I, I guess I kind of owe you because the last few episodes, except the lightning rounds, so I'm, I'm usually in the blank. I'm like, James, what are we talking about? He's like, don't worry, man, you got this. So uh, don't worry, James, you got this. Nice. Uh, <laughs> we are doing kind of a follow-up episode from many moons ago. It feels like once or twice or maybe six times a year, we like to talk about continuous integration and continuous delivery. Now, don't run away, everyone. I'm going to try to make this interesting because I'm really excited. I have hit a milestone in my app development career when I commit code to a repo and do the pushy push thing, upload it to a server. Something gets uploaded to Apple and delivered onto my device automatically. I know, I know you're all rolling your eyes. You've been doing this for years, but I've finally done it and I've learned a lot of lessons. And James, I just want to do a whole episode talking about my adventures in CICD. Are you saying that for the last 15 years of your professional mobile development life, you've been right-click archiving and publishing from your Mac? Yes, yes. Using multiple apps over the years, uh, it's been multiple ways. What we used to have the like uploady app used to do that. Uh-huh. I used to do the Xamarin thing where they would sign it for you in Visual Studio, and then mm-hmm. they would upload it. Did that for a little while. Finally, I settled on archiving, going into Xcode, re-signing in Xcode, and uploading from there. Yes, all manually. Uh, and that might explain why I don't have too many releases of my apps <laughs> or why it's a little bit painful for me to get releases of my apps out. So that was it. Um, we've talked about CD before and all kidding aside, the manual process isn't actually that much work, but what I've concluded was it was enough work that I just wasn't doing it and I wasn't getting releases out. It was something that's really been frustrating me, honestly, about my own work and all that kind of stuff is I just want to get more releases out there. And you know how you do that, James? You you, you follow James's advice and you get that continuous delivery working. I do like to think that I encouraged you a little bit here because I was talking about my holiday hack, my, my, my skiing app that I built and you were asking me about maybe we were talking about testing and i said you know every time i build the main branch of the application it builds it in app center currently today and then it automatically ships it to test flight and i said you know i just like to you know push some code walk away and you know 30 minutes later i have a production release ready build that could go live at any time because to me that's always been my mantra, which is main line is shipping code. Like you at any time should be able to ship main, you know, the, the main branch of your Git repo. Uh, because when I worked at Canon, that was, that was the whole idea. We had all these feature branches, all this other stuff, but like main was this pristine quality gated release. And uh, at any time you might need to rip off a emergency bug fix and ship it out, but you don't have a bunch of other junk in it. So working off of feature branches, off of bug fix branches, and uh, doing pull requests that would validate your build would give you a way to test those before putting them there were there. So I, in the last two years, have gone through this process. So again, you know, it's 2022. And Someone may say, wow, James and Frank, do you really need to explain why continuous integration and delivery are important? Yes, we do, (laughs) because it's always evolving. And let me tell you, Frank, I have tons of people all the time that are emailing me about what you have been doing. They run into issues, trying to archive, trying to sign, (laughs) uploading it, and it's a, it's a multi-step process. And so is putting it in continuous integration and delivery, uh, too. You got to put it up there. You got to do the stuff, but at the same time, people are still right-clicking and publishing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, by the way, you know, I don't want to shame right-click publishing because I am the worst right-click website publisher in the entire world. That is how I do stuff. (laughs) Um, half of my Azure functions are deployed that way, but half of them are in CICD. I'm, I'm happy to say that, but, um, but you know, when I need to get something out quick, 
then as a like a test website that I'm going to delete five minutes later, yeah, I'm going to right click publish and go. Whereas an app that I wanted to put in an app store goes through processes. You know, you have to figure out how to upload it, how to sign in, how to do this thing. Not to mention Apple just yesterday decided to change the entire app store process for submitting new apps, which you'll soon find out, Frank, because Mm -hmm. now you have a beautiful continuous delivery pipeline that will hopefully allow you to test those releases more and also get them into the app store for production much, much faster. And that sounds delightful. And I'm rambling here because I'm very proud of you (laughs) and my inspiration of going all in to use test flight, I assume for all of your testing. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I would like to do some Android later on, but yeah, we're going to be talking about test flight this episode. That's where I've had the most experience. And uh, so let's say I've been doing the CI part of the CI CD thing for a while now. I did get that little bit of religion. That's great. Where uh, whenever you publish, you do a build and you run some tests. That made 100% sense to me. Where I was always falling down was that very last leg of actually getting it uploaded and approved and all that by Apple. And basically, because those processes always felt, A, complicated, but B, very fragile. And I didn't like the amount of maintenance that I would have to do on them. So let's say like I just wanted to use App Center. Unfortunately, App Center is set up for... uh, 90% of all apps out there, but somehow my apps all have weird build steps and weird things going on. And it was always just kind of nuts getting a build system, even working off of my machine for some of those apps. Honestly, you've worked with some of the nasty ones. So I did this work for all my apps. I did it for iCircuit. I did it for Continuous. I did it for Kelka. I feel like I'm forgetting someone out there, <laughs> but um, all, all the all the big apps and even one of my new .NET 6 apps. And I decided this time to use GitHub Actions, mostly because I'd gained a ton of experience with them doing CI stuff there, and I was pretty comfortable writing those ridiculous YAML files. So how about that? Have you done, have you done continuous delivery in GitHub Actions yet? No, you know, I think that listening to your story of the complexity and different dependencies that your applications are going through, I just tend not to build apps that complicated, Frank. Uh, and, <laughs> oh my God, the and there's that. Now, that being said, uh, you know, App Center, like, I don't believe that it supports Mac applications built with right. .NET. So I would need to go down this route for something such as my Stream Timer, which I'm not going to lie, Frank. I do right-click archive and ship uh-huh, and transporter. Uh-huh. Uh, so I can learn a lot here in this process together because, you know, when you do, if you just do CI, which is you know, continuous integration of just even doing a, a build, to me, CI is like, does the thing build? And then there's the delivery, which is like, I have a package, I need to deliver it somewhere. The CI part can just, you could just be doing a simulator build. It's like not a yeah. big deal, you know, and just, did I break the build? Did I, does my thing actually work or not? Do I have something I can deliver? I'm not actually delivering it. Um, but when you want to go deliver stuff, you need to sign that thing, right? You need yeah. to install provisioning profiles. You need to have your certs that expire. And I never quite understood how all of those things played well in GitHub and GitHub Actions. I now understand a little bit more because I worked on the .NET podcast application, but we mostly did all the CI and CD for the microservices and the website and not for the mobile app yet because it's not shipping yet. So I'm assuming we'll do that at some point in the future. But I am very curious how this flow in GitHub Actions works because all my code is also in GitHub. And (laughs) I have been fascinated by attempting to even switch over some of my NuGet libraries that are using Azure DevOps and pipelines, which I love to put those into the GitHub Actions for open source projects. But then I'm like, I got keys and I got things. I don't know where to put these things. Like, how does it, how do you handle like gates? Like, can you like say, okay, now I want you to send this thing here. And now I want you to send this thing here. Oh, so well, that's a whole different thing. We'll, we'll, we'll get okay. to that part. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> no, let, let's do signing just because obviously when I said fragile before, this is what I meant by the fragile part. The signing part is the most mm. fragile part. 
So let's review <laughs> signing iOS apps. What do you need, James? You need yourself a signing certificate and you need yourself a provisioning profiles that are associate your app with that signing certificate. And in the case of delivery, those need to be distribution profiles, not um, development ones. Though for the CI part, I kind of start wanting to do some developer builds. But right now I was focused on, I want to get these things into test flight. And for that, you need distribution builds. So distribution certificates, distribution provisioning profiles. Now, the last time I did this was on BitRise. And the way it worked was you uploaded some signing certificates and you uploaded some provisioning profiles. Mm-hmm. I hate to say things have improved a little bit, but not too oh. much. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what I do in App Center as well. Okay. Yeah, I literally take my profiles and I shove them in there and then I enter a password and I say go. Things are a little bit better than that now. So hmm. there are, uh, I, I should probably get some links going here, um, but there are some GitHub actions out there mm. specifically. I think they're called like Apple actions or something. They're pretty easy to find. Just search for app, uh, app store, connect actions, GitHub, you know, that kind of thing. And there are some pretty big ones out there and technology has advanced, James. You know what we can do now? <laughs> so let's, let's start with certificate certificate. You still put as a GitHub GitHub secret. So you export your private certificate from your keychain. It's all very scary and hush hush. And you uh, put a base 64 version of that right onto GitHub with a password is a secret. So every certificate has two secrets, the base 64 version of itself or whatever ASCII encoding you can find of it mm. and uh, the password. So two secrets for every certificate. Yep. In the modern world, Apple has what's called the Apple uh, Signing Certificate. It's one that works on both iOS and Mac. Oh. But back in the day, <laughs> we had separate ones for iOS and Mac. And yeah. here's where thing, life is really fun, James. So if you're doing an old Xamarin build, uh, a Mac build, it, it cannot accept an Apple certificate, but iOS builds can. If you're doing a .NET 6 Mac build, it can accept the Apple certificate. So yippee, life is fun. So you may need up to one or two certificates, uh, depending on uh, what versions of everything you're doing, whether you have a Mac version or not, but one or two. Hmm. So that's not too bad, right? That That's no. kind of, I, I wish we could get rid of that step. But where life has finally improved is it can automatically download the provisioning profiles now. Oh, that's cool. So you don't have to do, do you like log into your Apple account then somehow or give it a token? Right, token. So all of this stuff is going to work off of App Center now. And in the same way that uh, my app works, AppStat, <laughs> um, you can get access tokens to App Center. Why do uh, I keep calling it App Center App, Center. app Store Connect. App yes. Store Connect. <laughs> um, you can get tokens to access that. You log in, you go to users, and then there's a keys uh, tab. And you can generate a key. And there's mm-hmm. actually three bits of information that you need from there. Um, there's an issuer ID, there's a key ID, and then there's a private key associated with all that. You're going to need all three. <laughs> <laughs> so each one of those becomes a GitHub secret. So this sounds terrible and it is a little bit terrible. So I streamlined some of it, but so I had to do this per app, which is per repo. I haven't figured out how to do like shared secrets on GitHub. There's probably a way to do that, but I haven't figured it out. Hmm. Um, I should probably look into that because it's already getting a little bit tedious, but basically you're just adding secrets and secrets and secrets to this thing. So the good news, though, is uh, once you get those that connection to App Store Connect established, it can download all the provisioning profiles for you. You tell it what kind you want, iOS, distribution, and your bundle ID, and it goes and gets them and installs them mm. on that machine. It's wonderful. That's nice because, you know, I the so the so let's let's break this also down a little bit because the the certificate is the one block in the chain in which you need to have you have to do stuff on your mac right and people always ask us all the time 
can I just not buy a Mac? And it's like, (laughs) you can get really far. I mean, you could do a Mac in a cloud, do the certificate, export the P12 every year, I guess. That would be one way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And just hope that you don't mess up your certificates and have to do it again. That doesn't (laughs) seem as like the best process, but you, you, you have to get a certificate that is signed and exported from Apple. It's a whole rigmarole process there. And that does not seem to be solved in this case, because, you know, something like Xcode cloud build or whatever, their Xcode server, you're signed into your account so it can figure out how to do that stuff automatically. So here, since we're not on a Mac, then it's there. We're just in GitHub and we need to tell GitHub to go do this stuff. But it sounds like the, the action that you found streamlines the part which is what like Visual Studio does, for example, like you log into your Apple account, it grabs all the certs and does all the stuff and knows how to to sign your application based on the stuff you have on your machine. The yeah. certificates on your machine, the profiles on the Internet, the profiles you can download anywhere, basically. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and it's important because I look at it all from like a maintenance perspective. When I say fragile, it just means I don't want to do maintenance on this thing. I just want mm-hmm. it to work all the time. And so what we're down to is that certificate will expire once a year. And so once a year, I'm going to have to go through all my GitHub secrets, but just the certificate secrets renew my certificates, and then enter in those new certificates. I won't have to repeat that for the provisioning profiles. I will have to go to Apple and renew those provisioning profiles, yes, but I don't have to like download them and put them into a secret or anything. So it, it sounds like such a small thing, but it's, you know, after years of doing this, I really love that it can actually just download those profiles for you, especially if like iCircuit has two profiles, one for the thumbnails extension, one for the app, and then a third one for um, uh, iCircuit Mac. So that's three Mm. profiles. That's three more secrets I don't have to update every year on there. So that's nice. Yeah, that shared, you know, that shared um, token is will definitely be super important because that is something that um, Azure DevOps has, for example, is that's how I do NuGet is I have my NuGet token, which expires, you know, every so often, but you can basically say, Hey, this is, this can be accessed from all of my pipelines. So what GitHub needs would be, would be more advantageous, right? As if it's like, Hey, you can share these across multiple things. Maybe they have that. I don't know. They probably do and i just haven't found them (laughs) you know so i just have to look or there's probably a a fancy way where you can get um way i've done it before is you get a github access token itself that lets you hit the github api Mm -hmm. and then you can ask the api for secrets and things like that i've done it that way but that's a you know a, a lot of this i was doing working really hard not to create rube goldberg devices here mm-hmm I didn't want my build steps to be 8,000 steps of hacking away at, you know, project files and things like that. I tried to make my build as clean as possible. And for the most part, it really is. So my builds are mostly download the source source code, um, uh, download .NET, a very specific version of .NET, do a restore, um, do a build of the main app, do run the tests of the app and then do a build of like a device build of the app, which is a much more expensive thing. And we'll get into like costs and all that stuff. But for the most part, I'm not doing too much hacking now. I do have a few little hacky parts. So hack number one, but you know, you have to do this versions. You have to update the versions and put like build numbers in there and things like that. So what I kind of settled on here was what I thought was the most comfortable for me. Everyone should do what's comfortable for you. But I ended up putting a little version.sh file in the root of every app. And that way, um, which it's a little shell script that takes as one argument, the build number, because that's the Mm -hmm. only thing that is actually dynamic in any of that. I can control the version number otherwise. And it just does the right thing of puts the build number in all the right places and things like that. And I did it as a little shell script just so I could develop it independently of working on the build steps and everything. It just keeps things clean. Well, you know, funnily enough, I have 
a bunch of Azure DevOps steps that do all the version bumping and can change your identifier and your yeah. title and all that stuff. And in my GitHub repo is a shell script. I have a TypeScript, a JavaScript, <laughs> a PowerShell, and a, a Bash script all in there so people could take them and run them later and do all that stuff. So funnily enough, I should probably figure out how to make a GitHub action that executes this thing, yeah. and like makes it all work and call it, but it's very minimal code uh, in general. But I now am very fascinated in figuring this out because I'm thinking of the steps that I do inside of apps or what app center does for me, which is what you just said. It like figures out my certificates and there's also a bump version number or bump, you know, version or whatever, you know, it doesn't mm -hmm. do the info P list or whatnot, but it does do that does. incremental. <laughs> yeah. That one that mine does too. Um, that's one thing I always wish that it kind of did and, and, yeah. uh, appended a version number at the end or whatever. Um, but yes, it, that is the thing. It's hard working on this and not getting sidetracked by writing an Uber action, you know, that yes. takes in a million parameters and does all this for you because then you're into a weird maintenance thing, but it was always on the back of my mind, but where I settled was few steps, um, not complicated steps. And if they were complicated steps, then it had to be a little shell script that I could test independent of the build pipeline and all that kind of stuff that Got worked it. out. Yeah. Cause otherwise, oh boy, did I rack up some build, <laughs> build minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I do want all this stuff. <laughs> I do want to talk about that stuff too, but before we do, let's thank our amazing sponsor this week, sync fusion back for 2022. Thanks to Syncfusion for sponsoring this week's pod and many pods in the future. Listen, Syncfusion has been with us for a long time. They've been with me for a long time because they build absolutely astonishing controls, frameworks, reporting platforms, enterprise solutions with analytics and reporting dashboards. They basically help you make your applications even better by giving you hundreds, if not thousands of beautiful controls and widgets and things for your applications, no matter what you're developing, whether you're building a web app with Blazor, ASP.NET Core, Angular, React, Vue, jQuery, or mobile apps with .NET MAUI, now in preview, Xamarin, UWP, JavaScript, Flutter, or desktop with just about any technology that you can build desktop applications for. They have awesome things for you. If you're looking to get started with .NET MAUI, for example, they have some brand new beautiful charts and gauges effects, list view, sliders, badge view, schedulers, tab views, and all sorts of file format frameworks, which means like, do you need to work with Excel or PDF or Word or PowerPoint? I do. I just talked about it. Boom. You can drop in SyncFusion and you are good to go. Go to SyncFusion.com slash Merge Conflict to learn more. And thanks to SyncFusion for sponsoring this week's pod. Thank you, SyncFusion. Yes. So. How do build, so you're building, now here's the thing about CICD that I always find interesting is you often, when when you're doing something in App Center, it, it's kind of nice because it's like, here's the repo, like build the thing. Like you can't really customize stuff. But when I start getting in DevOps or in GitHub Actions and these YAMLs, you're tweaking, you're tuning, you're running a ton of builds nonstop just to get it perfect. And then it's perfect. Then you're like good for a bit, you know, for a while, hopefully. Um, how does, do you just get unlimited minutes? Like, I, you know, just, <laughs> how does this work? Right. Okay. So we have to actually get back to code signing, but this is an important yeah. detour because, oh, I, I've gone down quite a journey learning all of this. Oh, you pay, James. They make you oh. pay. But <laughs> so it all depends on your uh, GitHub account. I have a GitHub Pro account. It's like $4 mm. a month or something. It's great. It's well worth the price. And with that comes something like 3,000 free minutes of GitHub mm. actions for wow. private repos. So I never really noticed any of this stuff because I did a lot of CI, CD with my public repos, so my open source projects. And so I never really, you know, got into heavy builds otherwise. But doing these device builds, especially something like iCircuit, where I build for all three architectures, ARM 7, ARM 7S, and ARM 64, and then Mac on top of that, Mac 64 on top of that, it takes a while, mm. <laughs> like 30 minutes. And uh, you kind of have to do that on a Mac. So when you run a GitHub action, you can tell what kind of machine to run on. And Macs are priced at 10x <laughs> what... Oh. 
a Windows or a Linux machine are priced at. So ouch, ouch. So if you're all doing like Windows builds or Linux builds, you're fine. You're fine. But hmm. when it comes to Mac builds, it gets expensive really fast. Uh, those 3,000 minutes go super fast, especially it's it's billable time, not wall time either. I was being all clever and like doing my Mac build in one job and then uh, this iOS build in another job, that iOS build in another job, and they were all running in parallel so that wall time wise, the build happened quite quickly. What I didn't realize was that giant multiplication that I was doing, I was paying for that giant multiplication. Mm. So even though it was only taking five minutes of wall time, if I had five jobs running, that was actually 25 minutes. Build at 10x, that's 250 minutes. So that's fun. Um, Breaking it down, I certainly did spend a bit of money making all this work, especially for my first one. The very first Mm. app that I got all this working on, I had to do build after build after build after build. And in the end, I ended up spending roughly, I'm, I'm looking at numbers because you can actually download your detailed bill and everything. I spent about $20 <laughs> ah, not bad. and yeah, it's really not bad. Um, especially because that is a real one off. It's been running for the last two weeks at my normal rate of development, which is <clears throat> slow. <clears throat> and <laughs> and the, the trickle price is much lower, um, less than a dollar a day. So less than $30 a month. You know, so it's fine. What happened was I just, you know, spent a million minutes trying to get these build scripts working. And that's why I recommend to everyone <laughs> keep your build steps simple and do everything in scripts or MS build targets. You know, those are always fun to play with, mm. too. You could do it there, too. But yeah, I don't I don't mind spending. OK, I take it back. It looks like it's slightly more like twenty five, thirty dollars. But, you know. One time I learned a lot and then the next app I did ended up costing me about $12 to get fully set up and running correctly. And then the next app I did after that cost me $5 to get fully correctly set up and running. So you can see like the prices in my learning curve. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I do believe they also allow self-hosted runners. Yes. So you could have done all of this like on your local machine and not actually paid GitHub. Anybody, absolutely. Correct? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I want to make and sure we, if you're that's smarter, how, that's how <laughs> Azure DevOps works too. So I wanted to make sure that that was a thing that was still a thing. Right. And you don't even have to go even that far. What you can do is execute your workflows on your local machine. And mm. I could have done quite a bit of debugging at that level. Uh, So where I say break up your workflows into scripts, that's one way to do that. Another way is learn how to execute these workflows on your own machine. It takes a bit of setting up and you need those runners anyway. So it's just a little bit too complex. Uh, In the future, it's much easier for me because I'm just going to copy and paste workflows from app to app and make minor changes. So it'll be much easier. It was really just a learning curve going through all that. Yeah. Once you have it all in there, once you're sort of good to go. And I run into that same issue all the time. Like often, you know, in, 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 um, app center, I think you get 180 minutes of four hours of build time a month and there's no proration there. So that's not at 10 X, uh, they're all built. (laughs) Uh, and, but maybe those are equivalent, right? Times 10, that's almost 2000. So, you know, pretty similar in general that you get for free. And then it's, you only have one option, which is going $40 up basically. And I've had to do that once. So I I paid, you know, to do that once. What it's taught me, Frank, is as you smooth through this process, which is you have it all set up, it makes you much more conscientious of doing full production builds on main versus doing feature branches and you only do slimline. And additionally, it also encourages you to heavily use branches and PRs uh, and maybe don't like maybe don't push like, you know, I commit often, but maybe don't push every single every single commit every single time, like wait until the end of the day and push it to the server, maybe. And then nope. do that. Um, that's also an option, too, is 
or don't open the PR until you're actually ready. Push nope. stuff all the time, but maybe don't do the PR. That That's one thing I'm thinking about. I went through all those debates. <laughs> Once I learned the billing model and how much I was actually using, uh, well, A, I went back and refined all my build steps to be much quicker. Mm. And we will get back to signing. There is still more I need to say about signing. Oh. But no, let's go here because this was my biggest epiphany. James, I discovered here was the issue. I, I didn't like the don't push to main problem because it's just a habit. Mm. It's how I work. Anytime I've tried to do proper, I can do big PRs and things like that. But if I just want to do a little patch, I just want to do a little patch. You know, I want True. to do it straight to main. Uh, and so I, again, I, I know how I failed in the past and I know fancy branchy stuff makes me fail. <laughs> like I should be doing release branches, obviously, but I'm terrible at them. I'm, I just, yeah. I'm bad. I, my Git skills aren't there. I forget how to do it. I'm just bad at them. So I settled on a classic solution, time honored, proper software development, I'm going to call it. James, I have rediscovered the beauty and the charm of the nightly build. Nightly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Nightlies. Nightlies. So here, here, push to main all day long. It's fine. You know, push, 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 push. What I do on those is a, a light CI build. So mm. I take the code, compile it, run some tests. It's not a full app build or anything like that. It's just proof that I didn't screw anything major up. Um, what happens otherwise on a schedule is it goes through and does the full proper big device builds, which can take mm. 40 or 50 minutes. And it has changed everything. It has made my life so happy because what it, the pattern I'm in now is worky, 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 stressy, 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 getting features in. And then you're all like, you're all tired at the end of the day and blah, you don't want to test anything. You know, you're just like, it's fine. It's fine. I'm going to ship it. And so you push to me. And then you wake up in the morning and there's a lovely little notification on your phone. You're like, there's a new version of iCircuit. You're like, oh, there is. <laughs> I wonder what oh. happened. What changed? And you go click on it and test flight is there. I I love it. I, I'm in such a better mood in the morning. Mm. And I found having these nightly builds is just fantastic. It's I love the separation of the QA pass from the dev kind of mindset that you're in. And it's worked out so lovely. And this way, I don't have to stress out about how many minutes I'm using on GitHub Actions. <laughs> I like that because you know how long it, you know how many days are in a month, you know, 28 to 31. And you know how long it takes to build probably every night. So you yep. can say, okay, well, do I have enough minutes based on yep. this thing to do it? <laughs> now, does, does it automatically run every night no matter what? Or do you, how do you flip that on and off? Cause like, yeah. what, what if you're not working on a project? Do you say, hey, only, only do a new build tonight if there's new code pushed? Yeah, yeah, that was a big stumbling block, honestly, because I knew mm. I knew what I kind of wanted was these nightly. So once I had the idea, I thought it was lovely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I didn't know how to implement it <laughs> because what you really want to do is, you know, when you push domain, you want to register, you, you want to mark something as dirty. Like you want to say a build is needed. And then at night, you want to check that dirty mark and say, OK, we do need a build. So it was just where do I store that one it's literally one bit of information I need in the entire internet, James, I need to store one bit of information. And I was stumped by where do I store this one bit of information? Literally one bit. Uh, thank goodness. I didn't forget if it was a stack overflow or something, but I finally got a good Google search query and someone came up with a wonderful idea. So what you do is you run your nightly build script on a cron schedule. It's how GitHub Actions works. So let's say on a 24-hour schedule, so once a day. What you do is you look at the history of the main branch, and you see if there have been any commits in the last 24 hours. Mm -hmm. And that's your one bit of information. That's it. Easy peasy. If there has been a change in the last 24 hours, let's do a build and upload it to Apple. If not, do nothing. Uh, retire. And in fact, I run that script uh, on Linux, so I don't have to pay the stupid Mac rate. <laughs> so that one just uh, boots up and checks how things are going and then goes back to sleep if it's uh, if if a proper build isn't needed. That's clever. I like it. Isn't I it? like it. That's very smart. 
it's like uh it, it's the most clever part of the workflow file like i said i don't <laughs> want clever in there but i allow this one piece because it's it's nice that i don't have to store any information anywhere it can just yeah. query whether it needs to do a build or not and yeah, i just copy sense. and paste it around yeah yeah that makes sense to me i think that that is that's very advantageous to do it that way and it works out great. Uh, so I recommend everyone. I actually didn't do, I don't do like midnight builds. I do my builds around 4 or 5 a.m. Because mm. I know when I work, quote unquote, an all-nighter, what it really means is I usually make it to about 5 a.m. and then I fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. And so I know that 5 a.m. is like my hard deadline for the day and the build won't kick off until then. Because I don't like, time pressure i don't know what's broken in me but even knowing that i need to be done by midnight was too much pressure for me so i found 5 a.m to be a good no pressure point well also you know when you think about it there's probably many a people that have similar jobs set up that are all kicking off at midnight and all those those little machines are all going to be so busy yeah and then you're gonna have to wait in the queue yeah in fact github recommends when you're setting up your cron job like don't schedule it for the zeroth of the hour mine runs at like 4 43 a.m 5 13 a.m you know just the most random times to try to so that you're not competing with everyone else yeah pro tip yeah all right back to <laughs> signing what did i forget okay. what did i miss oh uh, there, there's one last important part a part that i would always screw up so i'm we're a de we're developers and we're, we're having a hard time getting it running on our dev device or on our dev machine or whatever and so you're fiddling with the code signing stuff within the ide and within the project file and inevitably i break ci cd with that it just happens. I don't, it's it's accidental, you know, but you, you change a setting real quick and you forget to change it back or something like that. So hack, big hack number two that I highly recommend for everyone, and I always forget about this, but you can pass project properties at the command line at build time. And so what I started doing was passing the enable code signing equals true on the command line code sign key equals apple distribution on the command line hmm. build ipa equals true on the command line and those override whatever the heck garbage happens to be in your project file at the time and does the right thing so this means i can mess around all day with the settings in visual studio and not worry about it breaking my actual production build obviously i don't want to be doing that i want to keep everything in line but that way it just those i i have so many red x's because of stupid little code sign things like that and you just fix it by slash p colon enable code signing equals true and etc whatever else you need on the command line clever clever frank you're a clever clever guy i like it works out beautifully mm. works so out. now you have it it ships it to test flight you're doing stuff and that's the end of the CD, right? There, there, you don't have like another gate that tells it to toggle on and actually release the app, right? You're not that risky. No, I, I have the smallest gate of I, I need all the operating system builds to succeed before mm -hmm. I do uh, an upload. So I, I, I gate everything on success, um, which... I was messing up at first because like it would upload the iOS version if the iOS build succeeded, but not the Mac mm -hmm. version. And I decided, sorry, uh, going back to the very beginning of why am I doing this? Another thing that I kept running into was my platforms would get out of sync with each other. And so I'm really looking for this CD to help me keep my platform versions in sync. So I'm not just simultaneous releasing, but everyone's getting the same version set and everything. Um, so I wanted to make sure I'm, I'm not, uh, releasing on one platform without making sure all the platforms can come along for the ride. Uh, yeah. that, that's my one big gate there. That that's, that's especially if, well, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. I've, I've gone down a path where I'm not necessarily SIM shipping new versions of iOS and Android exactly at the same time because now I'm introducing a lot more like in-app purchases and like they involve a lot of testing. So I'm kind of rolling them out a little bit differently at different mm -hmm. times. So I'm kind of okay with it, but it makes sense if you have an iOS and Android version of the same app that you need to make sure that those things are 
shipped out together. No, is there? There's not a test flight for Mac yet, or is there? Did they announce it? Is it a thing or not? Oh, really? How's yeah. That work I'm for sorry. Mac? So I should rewind on all this. That's really what also got me into all this. Is there is test flight for Mac now? Oh, you need Mac OS version 12. Uh, what's it mm-hmm. called? The Mac. latest, whatever. Latest. You need latest. latest. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but golly gee whiz, it works great. <laughs> I I did a CD. Uh, it uploaded to the test flight. I went over to my M1. Uh, it has version 12, and it got the test flight. It downloaded the app and ran the Mac version right there on the M1 processor. Even wow. and that was a .NET 6 build. So wow, that really, yeah. yeah, that was really cool when that happened. And there was, you know, no code on that machine. That was a clean machine. It, I was so happy when that happened. Yeah. That's when the system finally all came together. You know, on on that first download. I truly need to no no I truly need to go and figure this out for my Mac app especially because it is one of the pain points that I have and my my Windows app too but I do really like how that seamlessly transitioned for you and that was the motivation because like you know getting that out there at the same time is something that I've been struggling with and for me it's been a struggle because I have a lot of all my Mac stuff set up on my old, old machine and I don't really want to touch it and you know, I don't really want to upgrade stuff, but it sounds like here is just, it, you know, it, it brings more consistency to, to this whole thing. So I, I need to get on it. I feel like I've, I feel like on my mobile side, I'm, I'm on there, but on the desktop side, I'm way behind. That's what I feel. Yeah. And I mean, rightfully so my dev machine is still Mac OS 11. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's a little pathetic. I can't even run test flight on on my dev machine, but I've been a little bit nervous to upgrade. I should get over that. I should upgrade. Um, but, you know, things are changing so fast in the Mac world. I like having a few machines on different versions, at least mm-hmm. for testing. It's nice that my little laptop is a, a version ahead. But it's really, I wish Apple would release test flight for, you know, <laughs> version 11 is all I'm saying. But it's nice that they got it out for 12. So moving on in the future, life is going to be pretty good for testing on a Mac. I've had one issue, James. I don't want to make it all sound, it, it hasn't been perfect it's each one of those build steps was pain and torture figuring out i told you how much money i spent on minutes and all that um but i have i have one last obstacle that i haven't gotten over and i'll even reach out to the audience if any of you know what this is i might even put this on twitter later uh this week i have to figure out what's going on so when you're in test flight you can release internally which is what i'm using because it's you don't have to get approval from apple is that what you do correct yeah so i have i have that set up there are also groups you can set up like groups for external testers yeah and then that those each have to be approved they take like a few hours or whatever i think they scan them i i just have to make a psa because i was an idiot and i didn't know something important here Hmm. i use two email addresses i use a company address to do all my Apple stuff because it's company stuff. It's all registered through my company and all that stuff. But all my Apple stuff I do through another email address. So I have two Apple IDs. I the the company one has been an internal tester forever, but it didn't matter because I'm not signed in as that person on any of my devices. Mm. And so whenever I wanted to test my app, James, and I sound so stupid right now, just in reflection, I would do an external release, which has to be approved by Apple. It takes a lot of time, uh-huh. but also that I could get it onto my personal account. I am such an idiot because finally I got the guts to just go add my personal account to the team. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I feel Correct. so stupid because now I could get I get instant builds. The moment they're uploaded, a the moment they're whatever virus checked or whatever they're doing with them, you get the instant build right on uh, your phone. So everyone, don't be me. If if you're still doing external testers just for yourself, don't do that. Add yourself to the team. Be smart. Don't be like me. External testers are still important, obviously, but um, I just, I can't believe I was making that mistake for so many years. That is correct. Yeah, you can have 100 internal testers and 1,000, oh, sorry, 10,000 
uh, external testers. So you only really need them if yeah. you need that many. So if you need 10,000 people and like you can have a public link as well and you can limit that stuff, which is cool. Um, yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. I have three internal testers, which are all my different different accounts yeah. different accounts dev accounts all the different anything that might be on any of the different devices i have because i was like i would yeah. like all of them please yeah. yes that is that is absolutely a key time key saver because the for some reason like proper app store review is faster than test flight review for whatever yeah. reason i don't know Ooh, now that you are shipping Hang no, on, no. we're not quite. We still have a problem, but okay, continue. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, now that you're shipping both of these into test flight, Apple just changed App Store Connect, by the way, to mm -hmm. submit to submit your apps for review. So since you have an iOS and a Mac app, you now add apps that you want to be reviewed into a bucket, and then you submit that bucket for review. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah, you'll see. You'll well, see. it's it's fun, too, because for some apps, I have a shared Apple identifier. What do they call it? Uh, uh, yes. SKU. And some I don't. So, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. It's going to be fun. Um, but no, I got to tell you about one last problem. And this is a problem with my build system. So I'm not sure exactly where the issue is. So all this internal testing is working just fine. Test flight's working just fine. But I went to do an external test because I want to ship and I want some people to look at it. And I got the most mysterious error from Ooh. App Store Connect. Yeah, it says this build is using a beta version of Xcode and can't be submitted. Oh, no. Which... Uh, okay i have build logs saying it was using xcode you know whatever the heck version we're on right now not a preview version so something is not getting set something's getting set to the wrong value i don't know exactly where hmm. um so there's a little bit of a little bit of investigating I still need to do and understanding what's going on with uh, my builds here. So it's sad. It's sad because I'm like 99% of the way there. You know, I even I have working test flight builds, working on different machines and all that stuff. But for some reason, there's still just one little thing wrong with my builds. Did you, did you try to, there, I think there's a GitHub action where you can select or set the version of Xcode. Right. As so well. now this was going to be my last topic. So that great segue, James. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> so going back to maintenance, um, it's already happened. Uh, Xamarin did an update that changed some nullability mm -hmm. stuff. I compile with nullability error checking on. The GitHub version of Xamarin was different from my dev version. So I didn't notice uh. the error. You know, like I don't. I don't update my dev version that often. <laughs> so uh, I just didn't notice the error, but it, it broke in CICD. And this is what kills me. This is what you know breaks my heart about CICD. So everyone knows yeah. the answer to this. What you have to do is lock the versions. You just mm. got to start version locking everything. And I was resisting doing that roughly with the idea of I want to live in the future. I, you know, I just want to adapt to the future. But um, eh, eh, eh. Uh, I'm probably going to start version locking at least Xcode and Xamarin. Yeah, um, I just found this awesome setup Xamarin GitHub action I from believe, Max Meme. I believe that's the one I was looking at. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, it lets you specify exactly what you want to specify. Your Xcode version, Mac, uh, Xamarin Mac version, Xamarin iOS version, Mono version, Xamarin Android version. And I somehow it magically go get some. Great. <laughs> yeah, there's a... There, there's a there was a application maybe use it on the hook called boots that John yeah. peppers wrote. And that was like very similar, but this might be doing something completely different, but yeah, you know, that, that locking is important because the other aspect of app center and other services that are specifically tailored for mobile application development or something like that, they know these things in mind, right? Where GitHub actions or Azure DevOps are the generic, like build anything, which yeah. is great, but also has these other conflicts perhaps. What I would like to see in the future is just a beautiful template that says add a thing and does it. That'd be so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to build my Uber action one of these days. Mm -hmm. But uh, until then, yeah, I think hopefully version locking uh, Xamarin and Xcode will be helpful. When doing .NET 6, you already do that because you already download a specific version of .NET 6. So actually, yeah. hopefully some of these problems will go away in the future. 
when we're doing it that way. So anyway, one last tiny little stumbling block left. I really, really don't want to right-click deploy this app. You know, I want to deploy this app from CD. I want, you know, mm -hmm. the version on the store to be from CD. And so I'm going to try to work through this one last version, but it's it's a little bit frustrating, or one last error. It's a little bit frustrating to hit a little hurdle at the end, but keep working through it. Overall, I am so satisfied with myself, especially, like I said, I did this on multiple apps. I kept talking about iCircuit here, but each app had its own little issues <laughs> and all these little things. But the learning curve was nice, and I'm just so happy that I have it running now. That's awesome. And also, I got to say, that Maxime individual that made that those GitHub actions works at GitHub, so that's cool. Perfect. They're official. <laughs> They're unofficial official actions. That's so cool. I like the you know, to me, GitHub Actions has been around for a while, but just like anything, I'm like I'm I'm doing complex mobile development. There's a whole bunch of dependencies and there's .NET versions, there's Xamarin versions, there's mono versions, there's Xcode versions, there's Android dependencies, and you're like, oh, yeah. there's signing certificates. So I'm glad to hear that this thing has come a long way and I'm really excited to uh, give it a try, for, especially for my Mac version. I really need to get on it and actually do it. That's what I, I think I need to do. That's for sure. So, yeah. Oof. That's cool. That's I it. like it. Long episode. Sorry, everyone. It was on CD, but I finally I finally got the religion and had to talk about it. So thank you for sticking through. <laughs> GitHub actions from end, end to end with GitHub actions. That's what I think we're going to call this episode <laughs> or something better. You let e me know. Even Frank, Frank can do it. <laughs> even Frank can do it. <laughs> I, I think podcasts need little subtitles you know what i mean little things yeah over there yeah i know that there's descriptions but i think it'd be fun kind of like we get in the apps or you know apple give us 180 characters or 100 <laughs> what is it 80 characters it's 80 characters by the way it's all you get uh, so yeah uh frank well thank you so much for going through the hard problems of getting this done i'm gonna just basically tell you to share your yaml yeah i'm just gonna steal it <laughs> so we'll go from there but let us know where you're at in your uh, CICD. Are you using GitHub Actions? Are you using uh, pipelines? Are you using something else? Fine. What are you using? Let us know. Are you just building? Are you just right-click publishing and archiving? That's fine, too. Just let us know what you're doing. Right into the show. Go to mergeconflict.fm or hit us up on Twitter at James Montemagno and at Proclarum. You can find those in the show notes below. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.